designed to live forever in the presence of God. Now him and Eve messed it up. But Jesus restored it. So in other words, God has restored us and his spirit lives in us. So we are not natural earthly beings trying to have a spiritual experience. We are spiritually created beings designed to worship God, having a temporary earthly natural experience. And so today I want to press in to look at an aspect of worship, which really is how do we worship as spiritual beings? How do we worship in spirit and truth? So last week, like I said, we heard what David had to say. We looked at what Revelation had to say. Revelation worship is what the church is moving into. Because we have a heart to not just look at how's it always been done. Look at tradition. We want to say, Lord Jesus, what is the church you're coming back for? How does the church worship that you're coming back for? And so the worship in Revelation is pretty splendid. Would you agree? We also looked at the Greek and Hebrew words for worship. Remember? We looked at the fact that it is biblical to clap your hands in church. Woo-hoo! We looked at the fact that it's biblical to shout. It's biblical to raise your hands. It's biblical to dance. Those are biblical terms. The charismaniacs did not decide that's what we were going to do. They didn't create that. That was from thousands of years back. God wrote that down. And so when we read scriptures that say, clap your hands, all ye peoples, not just you charismaniacs, uh, charismatics, shout unto God with a loud shout of joy. We looked at what hallelujah meant to sing halals to Yahweh, which means to rave, be clamorously foolish in his presence. (laughs) I'm not saying that our services are going to turn into like madness. All I'm saying is, I think maybe we're worshiping at a level here when God's got a level here for us, you know? Now, obviously, as I said last week, please listen to the podcast, but worship goes way beyond just worshiping music and song and what we do here. But I did say the first two weeks I'm going to focus on worship in music and song and declaration. That's been my life. That is what we're going to be doing in heaven. And I believe that there's an anointing that comes with that that is very specific. But as we learn that, what it does is it brings principles into our life for every minute of our day. And so, are you ready for an amazing transformation of the way you think today? A shift in your soul? Because we just had a worship camp. Our band, some of our band's still driving through the hail to get home. And and at that worship camp, God does amazing things. And we, we started to sing. My session started with, let it rain. I think he heard. <laughs> and then when it hailed, we all went, all hail King Jesus. But I want to say to you, our band is learning things, moving in youth. Did you notice a difference this morning? And I want to say, we spoke about last week that verse that says, God inhabits the praises of his people, right? But that word for praises is the word tehillah. You're allowed to drink tehillah in church as much as you want. And tehillah literally means the spontaneous, unrehearsed. When the words go off, our minds sometimes, some of you are so used to singing from words, that when the words go off, your mind's going, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? Well, that's when you just start to sing from your spirit, and you just start to sing what is the spontaneous, unrehearsed song that God inhabits. And have you noticed when we do that, how the anointed increases? Have you noticed how His presence increases when you do that? There's just something about breaking free from doing what we're looking at and and following to where it's just coming out of our spirit spontaneously. And so we're going to be doing more of that. And after having looked at all of those words and what the Bible says about worship, how about looking at what Jesus said about worship? 
You know, if you're going to read your Bible, some people are just really newly saved, just got a new Bible. They've asked me, like, where do I start? Start with Jesus. Start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read all the words of Jesus. Get to know them, and everything else falls in place around that. Amen. Read the red first. <laughs> then you can say, I read my Bible. So I, when we talk about today, let's look at what Jesus said. When Jesus came to earth, obviously he came... To save us. Obviously, he came to down the cross for our sins, to shed his blood, to, to tear the veil, to remove everything that was separating us from God. But if that's all he came to do, then why did he spend so many years ministering and teaching? He came to do more than that. He came to change the mindsets of the people that he came to to understand what Father and He and the Holy Spirit are really like, what God is really like. Because the Jews at the time had a bad idea of God. In fact, the scribes, and the, the scabs and the parasites, also known as the scribes and the Pharisees, had just taken the scriptures and turned it into hectic rules and regulations and legalistic stuff. And the stuff you weren't allowed to do on the Sabbath was mind-blowing. And Jesus looked at some of that stuff and he said, guys, the Sabbath wasn't made for man. But, you know, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man to give you rest. Not to put you under legalism. So Jesus came and he upset the scabs and parasites all the time. Jesus came and hung out with the prostitutes, the sinners, the tax collectors. God's not into religion. God's into relationship. People who are real. And God looked at the religious. He had nothing good to say about them. When we talk about different religions under our um, You Ask For It series, Christianity shouldn't be listed as a religion. When you ever see a list of religions and you see Christianity, when no one's looking, take a big black marker and scratch it out. Because Christianity is a relationship, not a religion. Religion is all about what you must do to get to God. Christianity is all about what was done so that you can get to God. It's done. You can step right into His presence. So Jesus tried to bring this mindset. He tried to show them the difference between religious worship based on rituals and rules without any power to relational worship based on the power of the Spirit. And so Jesus and his disciples are walking through a place that they're not supposed to go. Jews are not supposed to go to Samaria. The Samaritans were considered unclean. The Jews did not eat with unclean people. They didn't drink with them. They didn't talk with them. And so the Jews would make a wide berth around Samaria. They would take the longest route when they could have gone the shortest route to stay away from Samaria. Jesus sends his disciples off to checkers to get some food. And he heads off to Samaria as a rabbi, Nohal. And he sits at the well outside the little town of Samaria. And as he's sitting there, he knows there's a woman coming. And she comes to him during the heat of the day, which is obviously when you don't draw water. So she was ashamed of something. And she comes to Jesus and looks at him there. And Jesus says to her, please, would you give me a drink of water? She looks at him and says, you a Jew? should not be asking me, a Samaritan woman, for water. And Jesus says to her, if you knew who was asking you for water, <laughs> you'd be asking me for the living water. Because this water that you drink, you're going to thirst again. But if you drink of the living water that I offer, you will never thirst again. It will become a spring of living water that will well up from inside you. Amen. Doesn't that sound good? And she says, hey, <laughs> Give me some of that. Where's it? Where's it? Where's it? The well's deep. Where are you going to get it? And Jesus says to her, I'll tell you what, bring your husband to me. Yeah. Jesus is very, very uh, interesting the way he goes about this because she says, well, I don't have a husband. And then he starts to tell her a life story and says, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands 
and the man you're with now isn't your husband. And that's probably why you're coming to collect water when no one else is around to see you. And she looks at Jesus like Jesus read her life story. And she says to him, I perceive you are a prophet. Brilliant, eh? There's a clever woman for you. And the moment he, she realizes he has a spiritual man right here, she launches into religion. And she says, but you guys, the Jews, say we must worship at the temple in Jerusalem. But us as Samaritans, we say we must worship at the mountain here. And, and you know, we do, and Jesus quietens her and says, lady, lady, let me tell you something. It's no longer about which mountain. It's no longer about rules and rituals and regulations. And Jesus says this to her. A time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Whoa. Because God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship him in spirit and truth. You're not a natural earthly being having a spiritual experience. You are designed to be like God. You are spirit beings so that you can tap into the God who is spirit. And you can worship him in spirit. Unfortunately, we spend our lives training the natural earthly part of us. And we have to learn how to train and raise up and release and increase our spirit man. And our spirit woman. Amen. In the first service, we, we, we give in the, the South African amen, which is sure. Give me a spiritual sure now. Eh? <laughs> you know, that, that word for worship is the word proskenu. I spoke about that last week, but it's my favorite word for, for worship. It literally means like a dog coming to its master and just loving and licking its master's hand. Now, I don't know how many of you have dogs. I have the most beautiful, cute little dogs, and they prosecute you very well, as I mentioned last week. But there's just something about worshiping God, which is just out of, I just love you, unabandoned, unashamed. Have you noticed that, that one of the reasons they give dogs to people who have lost loved ones and to people in hospitals who heal quicker is because of the unconditional love that just continues to come. No matter what happens, they just keep giving love. How about we learn to be a little bit like that towards God, that no matter what's going on, we're just like, God, you're so good. I just want to love you. I just want to praise you. I just want to worship you. Every time, every time I come home, my dogs go crazy for me. And every time you sense Jesus' presence, we should go crazy for him and his presence is always there. Amen. So when we talk about worship, Jesus says this, and it wasn't just the Samaritans. Most of the Jews were caught up in just rituals and regulations, and worship to them was going through a whole lot of liturgy, and they completely lost the power. In fact, Jesus said another thing later on. If you have a look in Mark 7, he replied this, and he said, Listen, guys, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So they worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. They have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. Now, how many of you want to worship like that? Okay, I don't see any hands. <laughs> good. That's very good. But, you know, we, we often think that maybe the religious or the old churches uh, where, where, you know, we don't feel much presence. But you know what? In churches all around the world, whether there's a church that are singing old songs liturgically, people are connecting with God if they choose to. Deeply worshiping. I grew up in the Methodist Church. I connect deeply with some of those hymns. I, still, I was singing one this morning. But you know, you can also be in a place where the worship is just like this morning. Praise, loud, glory, anointing, and yet your heart is far from God. You're just singing words. It's all about the connection. 
And so looking more at my spirit man rising up and making a connection with God is far more important to God than saying, okay, Jesus, Andrew said I must raise my hands, so I'm going to raise my hands today. How's my hand doing? Oh, I'm sweating. Oh, I hope no one notices. Your heart's far from God. <laughs> Whereas if I'm just like, I'm going to worship God any way I like, that can be sitting down. There's no, there's no pressure for you to worship God in any way. Just don't judge others who worship the way they want to. As long as you're all connecting with Him. Amen? There's no pressure that everyone's got to shout or, you know, you, maybe you're not a hand clapper. But it, are you connecting with Him? Everyone catching that. In fact, Paul writes in Timothy and he warns Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.5. He says, have nothing to do with those who have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. Sadly, there's too many Christians who are living like this. Here's a, here's a truth that Carol will, will pursue a little more next week. But too many believers prefer to outsource the power to professionals and the relationship to rituals. Can I say that again? Too many believers prefer to outsource the power to professionals and the relationship to rituals. That is why cults and sects grow so quickly. Because the majority of people like someone telling them what to do. They don't want to have to take responsibility for what they need to do. And that's not how we build church. There are churches that build like that, but that's not how we build church. When Jesus is the head of the church, then all of us are working towards Jesus being my ultimate disciple. All of us are working towards Jesus being our ultimate goal. And I'm worshiping Jesus because he's teaching me how to worship. He's revealing himself to me. Whether there's a worship team up front or not, whether someone's telling me or not, I am just releasing that to Jesus in spirit and in truth. And I'm going to talk a little bit about spirit and in truth and what that really means. Because you see, spirit and in truth means that I am a spirit man. And when I receive an understanding and revelation of the truth, then something rises up in me. I respond just naturally to the revelation of God in worship. That's how you create it. And so when we talk about spirit and in truth, if I'm not going to worship by just singing songs on the board, what is spirit? Well, firstly, God is spirit. That means he's everywhere, right? So do you have to wait till church to worship God? You can worship Him everywhere you go. God is spirit, so can you take your spirit into the boardroom and still be worshiping Him when you're in a meeting? Can you bring that anointing and that presence of heaven into meetings and release the wisdom of heaven because He knows what's going on in that meeting better than you? Better than I do. I don't know what Naidu knows, but better than I do. We need to start to bring this wherever we go. Spirit means that I am first and foremost a spirit being. The Bible talks about the fact that I have a spirit man who dwells before the throne. And inside of me, Romans, Paul writes this, I have a mind that can choose to be controlled by the spirit man or the flesh man. It talks about the mind controlled by the flesh. This is the fruit of it. The mind controlled by the spirit. This is the fruit of it. So every day we make a choice. What are we going to live by? The flesh or the spirit? And I believe that too many of us only switch on the spirit too seldom. Can I exhort you? Make whatever it is. Make reminders on your phone. Whatever it might be. Don't say, live from spirit man now if everyone's going to see that. Okay, because it might sound a little weird. But we, I have had to learn to live. We did this with the band yesterday as well. Learn to live from the spirit man when you worship. When you come into worship, when, when you're playing worship music, when you're driving in your car, you can drive from your flesh man or your spirit man. 
I'm just telling you, learn to live from the spirit man so that we live in, in the spirit realm, in spirit. But we also need to learn to live from truth because it's truth that spurs us on to true worship. What is true worship? I worship God because He's good, because He's holy, because He's worthy, because He's loving, because He has mercy and compassion. The most famous worship line throughout the Bible is, I give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His loving kindness and compassion endures forever. That's truth. Now, if I believe a truth that God is mad at me, that God is stern, that God is legalistic, that God is angry, then my worship's going to be different because that's not truth. Are you hearing me? Truth is that when I come into God's presence, he's more interested in the Jesus that I'm in than the sin I might have committed. He sees me holy. He sees me sanctified. He sees you justified as if you just as if I'd never sinned. That's what justified means. So truth, when I come into worship, is not, God, I blew it this week. I don't know if I'm worthy to worship you. No, truth is, it doesn't matter, Jesus. If I confess my sin, you're faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And as I gaze, 2 Corinthians 3, 3.18, those who gaze upon the glory of the Lord will be transformed into His likeness from one level of glory to the next. So how are you transformed into His glory? How do I stop sinning more? Not by trying harder, but by bathing more in His glory so I can be transformed more into His likeness. Amen. Sure. I'm going to tell you it's in worship that he's done most of the changes in me, not in me trying harder. And so when Jesus talks about spirit and in truth, we've got to have both. It's like in Hebrews, the Bible says that the word's like a double-edged sword. And Ephesians 6 verse 17 tells us that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. So word and spirit always have to operate together. I know there are a number of churches that are saying we're a word-based church. We have all the principles. Then the other churches are, no, well, we let the Holy Spirit go and we just release Him. And, and, and it's like a train and tracks. If all you have is the train, you're going to do some damage without the tracks. But if all you have is the tracks, you've got no power. You've got to have both. And you can say we've got the most beautiful tracks. We can teach seminars on tracks. We've got a lot of sleepers. <laughs> if you keep track of what I'm saying. Is the train of this conversation. But when we talk about truth and spirit, it means that we take his word and we don't just read legalistic things to do. We look at his word and we say, Holy Spirit, you wrote this. I want to know the author. I don't just want to know the words. I want to know the author. And so the scabs and the parasites had done away with knowing the author. They had the scriptures, but they turned them into just legalistic stuff, and they were moving in the wrong spirit. So when they came to Jesus and asked questions, he said, no, you are wrong because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God. <laughs> they had the Bible, but they didn't know the true spirit and truth. And so when we're worshiping God, when we're reading his word, when we're in his presence, trust for spirit and truth to be a part of your daily life. Amen. And now when we, when we talk about these and mentioning that we are creatures who are made to worship the truth of the matter is if i worship in spirit and truth my focus is always going to be on god anything that i give my time my treasure my talents to outside of god my my love my affection to outside of god might be an idol now that doesn't mean don't love your wife amen or your husband but what i'm saying is if you are sacrificing and not getting your satisfaction and your source from God, 
then shift whatever needs to be shifted and transfer that dedication, love, value to God every time. Switch to spirit man. John Piper put it this way, that if we want to glorify God, that God is most, sorry, it's it kind of stretch. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. What a powerful quote. <laughs> so how do we be satisfied in God? How do we live this lifestyle of worship practically? How many of you, when you came to church this morning, singing praise and worship might not have been the first thing on your mind? How many of you, when you were driving to church, maybe you were thinking of just, oh man, 20 nappies this morning, or, or had a fight with someone, the dog bit you on the way out, whatever it is, the exam on Monday. But your mind was probably not on praise and worship. Are you hearing me? And yet you come in, and then we open in prayer, and suddenly you start to align, okay, okay, we're going to start worshiping God. And then we start praise and we start thanking. And as you choose to engage with that, a shift takes place in your mind and your soul. Have you noticed this? And as that shift takes place, you start to go, okay, I'm going to take my mind off all of those things. And I start to focus more and more and more on Jesus. The busyness becomes less and less and less. And as I focus more on Jesus, suddenly his presence increases. And as his presence increases, I start to feel more peace. So I can focus on him more. Now I can start to feel him more. Now I can start to move into worship. And so when God designed the tabernacle, he designed the tabernacle after the pattern of heaven. It was like he said to Moses, Moses, this is how the tabernacle in heaven looks. I'm going to download a picture for you. And in the tabernacle, it's not so clear in that one because it's all covered. So let me show you what goes on under the covers, okay? Because the tabernacle was established to show us a pattern in heaven. Right out here, you will see that we have the gate of the outer courts. Now, outside the gate, this is where the business takes place. This is work. This is stuck in traffic. This is on my way. This is fighting with my husband. This is money issues. This is whatever it might be. And then as I come to the courts and I have to enter through the gate, the only way they could enter the gate was by giving thanks. And they would have to stand at the gate and declare thanks so that they could come into that gate and it would open and they could step into the courts. And as they stepped into the courts, there's a fascinating scripture, Psalm 100 verse 4. If you have your Bibles and want to turn there, you can, but I'm going to read it for you here. It says this, enter his gates, most of you know this, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. So give thanks to him and praise his name. So if I am stepping out of the busyness of my world, if I'm stepping out of the distractions, the best way the Bible says to do that is to stop thinking about them and start to give thanks. How do you enter the gate of stepping into the place of worship? Thankfulness. Now, I, I, you know I give a whole lot of time to thankfulness. We in this church believe in the thoroughly therapeutic thrill of thankfulness through thick and thin. And no matter what you're going through, through thick and thin, if you choose to say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to wake up and the first thing I do is give you thanks. What you're doing is you're entering the gates of his presence. And then you start to give him praise. And as I come in through thankfulness and I start to praise you, what ends up happening is I start to move closer to where the presence is. Because I come into the outer courts through praise. Now in the holy place was where coming into Jesus, the incense was burned. There was a giving of a sacrifice of worship. The incense is prayer and worship to God. So then as I'm in that outer courts and I'm experiencing more of his presence through the praise, suddenly I come into a place where I can now give him worship. 
And have you noticed that we do this on a Sunday? Have you wondered why our first song is praise and thankfulness? To get us out from the outer into the inner. And as His presence increases, we can step into worship. And we can stand in the holy place and we can start to offer incense. I stand in awe of you. That's very different to clapping hands and praising. But can you tell the presence that comes through that worship? And as I'm worshiping more, my Lord, come bring your presence. Make me more like you. Now I come into the Holy of Holies where I no longer have to give, but I start to receive. Now there's an anointing. And so many churches stop. We finish giving to God and then we stop and close. But now I'm in His presence. Now I stand and receive. That's why so many times when we close worship, we just have times of receiving. That's when I drink from the rivers of living water. And so I have worship anointed music playing in my house all the time. In my room, I've got a little pig that plays music. I will not kill him. I will not make bacon. I will let him worship. I love bacon, but I love that pig's worship more. You can create that atmosphere anywhere you are. You don't have to wait for church for that atmosphere. So I don't know if you like my wife. <laughs> you don't, well, what is that? Well, she's one of them morning people. Non-morning people. Like, morning person. 3 a.m. I heard a bird. Hey, hallelujah. Thank you. I'm up. Me. I heard an alarm. What? Oh, where's that thing? Where's that? Oh, God. Oh, some of you go. <laughs> and God says, tell the worship team, I know this isn't what they signed up for, but let's put them in front and let's send the worship team to the uh, enemy first. Okay, Lord. Worship team. <laughs> How many know you're not going to get too many signups? They walked out, the worship team singing and praising. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Just sing it over and over and over until the enemy flees. And they had so much plunder, God just destroyed the enemy in front of them. Friends, I think too many Christians spend too much focus on the enemy that they could be spending in the worship and the presence. So, will you trust to start to create a different environment to live in? I said last week that I would give you some artists and albums that you can listen to that I recommend. So take a picture of that. That's some of them. Some of you might have some others. Some might speak to you that don't speak to others. But start getting godly anointed music. Start listening to it. But at the same time, it doesn't have to be godly worship music all the time. In the boardroom, when you're sitting down to dinner with your family, but you can continually be giving thanks, right? The Bible says continually give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So just living a life of continually giving thanks keeps you in the presence, keeps you in your spirit, man. Let's live from there. Amen. So there's just a concluding slide. Let's live a life of worship in spirit and in truth. Live in the daily cycle of thanksgiving, leading us into praise, leading us into worship, and then live a life where we are soaking in His presence regularly. And so listen to experience anointed music that will change the atmospheres, which changes the mindsets, not only in you, but also in your world. 
Jim Critcher gave a prophecy over our church at one stage, and he said, the worship that comes from this church, I saw it lifting the blanket of demonic activity over the city. That the worship, as we as a church become a worshiping church, is just going to change the atmosphere in our city. You can play worship. You can pray over. You can go into your office. At night when everyone's gone, you just play a little bit of quiet music <laughs> at your desk. You release that presence. You come early in the morning. You pray over the person who gives you the hardest time. Pray over their desk. Release the presence in their office. See what happens. We have testimony after testimony of things that have happened. Chris, you're smiling at me. Have you been doing that, bro? <laughs> Seriously. So, Lord, I thank you that you have so much more for us than what we've been experiencing. And we choose today to say, take us there, Lord. We don't want to be surprised by heavenly worship when we get there. We want to be living it right now so that it's just a natural transition. We want to be living right now in releasing the atmosphere of heaven wherever we go. That, Lord, we would be people who understand the glory of heaven, the goodness of our God, the love, the mercy, the grace that our response as created beings would be to give you thanks for everything. Take our eyes off the flesh. Take our eyes off the world and its ways. Put our eyes on you. Let us live from our spirit man who sees you constantly. And Lord, I ask that you would take us in our daily lives. Teach us what it means to live a lifestyle of worship. Teach us what it means to bring the atmosphere of heaven wherever we go. Whether it's a secular or a spiritual place, teach us how to bring it. Teach us how to bring the presence through our work. Those we serve, the clients. How to release the presence and the atmosphere there. And then, Lord, we ask that as a church, you would take us into levels of worship where people would just experience heaven in a greater way. Take our worship team to new levels. Take every one of us. We choose to say we will press in. Make us a church of worship that creates an atmosphere that changes the city. That in our worship, there would be healing, deliverance, anointing that will bring breakthrough break chains and if you're here today and you know that Jesus is not your primary focus of worship you know you've been worshipping you, your own ways your own desires, your own life I want to give an opportunity for you to just make Jesus your primary source and if you know today you need to get right with God I want to give you an opportunity because it's the greatest thing you could ever do. And if you want to get into what we're talking about and live that life, then I'm going to ask you to raise your hands so that I can see you because I want to pray for you. If you know that today you need to get right with Jesus and you want to come into this relationship where He's your Lord, where He's your Savior, where He can bring the atmosphere of heaven, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. God bless you. Anyone else? Can we just stand together and pray this? Stand together as one voice and say, Lord Jesus, we take our eyes of every other thing that we may have been given. Focus, worship, attention, drawing from other than you. We put our eyes on you now. And we say, Lord Jesus, teach me how to make you my one and only. Teach me how to live in the spirit realm. 
Teach me how to bring heaven into my earthly realm. Teach me how to be someone who doesn't live for myself, but for you. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, increase your presence in my life. Make me a worshiper of you. Give me a thankful heart in all I do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a